Hi, this is Allison Koch, digital content producer at Playwrights Horizons, and this week it's my turn to be under a blanket. We'll be back on Thursday next week with a brand new episode, but in the meantime, we wanted to bring you a little treat. I had the pleasure of speaking with one of our commissioned artists, someone you've already been lucky enough to meet in your soundstage feed. My name is Heather Christian, and I am the writer, composer, and the performer of Prime. Good morning, sorry. I have a few intentions. I have a few digressions trying to keep me awake at night. I also have to tell you that the birds in the background where you are, like, I feel like I'm inside the soundscape of the podcast right now. (laughs) Well, you're in my yard. Well, first of all, open the door, open the door and then wash and puddle. First of all, open the door. So, um, A Practical Breviary is a series of eight, I'm calling them eight masses that replicate the monastic cycle of anywhere from six to eight masses that cloistered nuns and monks starting in medieval times, and some sects still do it now, but they practice, which is they celebrate mass once every three hours, approximately. Each of these masses sort of has a different subject matter, has a different focus. I knew that each of these masses wanted to be uh, in a different theatrical medium. I feel like the first morning mass, like the first morning mass, uh, the prime, the first thing that you you say when you get up in the morning, the examination of the first things that you're willing your body to do is a very intimate conversation that I wanted to plant like in somebody's ear with a tweezers. And I felt like the best way to do that was, was with a podcast. So this was serendipity. I became interested in this because I feel this sort of gaping hole in people (laughs) right now, in myself, in uh, the world at large. Um, There's this hole that typically either organized religion or some sort of uh, like rabid connection to astrology or rabid connection to science, like where this like rabid curiosity took place. And for some reason, I feel like we have, as a culture, drifted towards fundamentalism, where either you believe in God or you don't, where either you believe in science or you don't, where either you believe this, that, or the other, or you don't, and everybody's taking a side and looking for their own different kinds of proof. And I looked towards monastic culture as this group of individuals that spent their entire lives looking for something, looking for answers, looking for meaning and rituals, and not necessarily drawing any conclusions as being the most like elegant manifestation of um, a life well lived that I could think of. Oh, God. I mean, I love a studio. I feel like if it was the 70s, I would just be a recording artist. It's only by nature of, you know, our time that I've been forced out into a theatrical medium, which I think is lucky because I love blowing things out under 360 degrees. But the studio is my happy place. 
it's like a, it's it's a lab, right? Like when you write a song, you're writing a skeleton, and when you take something to a theater, it requires a different kind of body and a different kind of flesh and muscularity than it does in a studio. There's just as much content going on, but you're able to saturate acoustically um, and like get into the minutia um, of what you're hearing in a studio in a way that you can't do in the theater. Like what we do in the theater is ephemeral. What you do in a studio is like a living capture of a very specific moment and like how that, that song, the skeleton of the song is living authentically on that given day. And then you just have to trust that if you go with it, <laughs> that it will remain relevant. Um, and that's, uh, that's always difficult. So I had I had a massive show that was going up at Ars Nova um, that we got two previews into. It was called Oratorio for Living Things, and it's a piece that I've been working on for five years. And it's an 18-member ensemble. It's huge. It's a big show. And um, I really like was getting into this feeling of like, oh man, okay, th- it's happening finally, right? Like it's happening. <laughs> you know, people are gonna come and. Um, I might go from being like everybody's favorite unknown to being, you know, on a slightly more um, concrete career level. So all that was sort of operating in the back of my brain, but you know, I was busy making a thing. And then we closed after second preview, which I'll be honest, was a catastrophic preview. We had to stop the show because our soundboard stopped working. We had to restart the show. There was a lighting object that was misbehaving and screwing up everything. We started throwing people beers um, in the audience. It was a whole event. And then uh, we closed in order to say goodbye to the show properly and to comfort ourselves. I strapped on a microphone and we, I sang a couple of songs with the ensemble just for fun. Um, we had like a big old weep fest and we drank everything that was in the bar. And I, at that stage, was like, this is fine. This is right. This is like, this is how we're careful. This is how you put your money where your mouth is. And you say that, like, you know, the, the health and well-being of the people that you work with mean more than profit. Like, this is how you show that. And I know that I am scrappy enough as, a, as an artist, and I've been hustling for so long that I wasn't going to let the show die and that everything was going to be fine. Um, so I wasn't particularly gutted. Um, that came six, like six days later, I came home and like, to be real, I was exhausted. I needed a break. Um, so I took that break for like six days we grocery shopped like it was the end of the world and made a bunch of food and put it in the freezer and we didn't know what to expect and you know me and my husband don't see each other all that much so we were like great vacation then six days later I sort of like entered this funk right like this I'm sure it's grief um for the show yeah but like also for I don't know just like the we were we had just started the like theater season and this was supposed to be a year of like getting stuff up on its feet i spent 2 years in writing mode 
and this was the year where things were supposed to start premiering and I was supposed to start touring. And um, I just forgot that I was a person who had accomplished anything or taken anything to its full fruition before. And I started to feel just very, very small and inconsequential and uh, a little insane. Like Prime coming out when it did totally like ripped my butt off the carpet because I had forgotten, you know, like I'd forgotten that we made a thing. It's been, I, we had put so much time in between when we, when we made it and when it came out that I forgot it was, that it was good. And I forgot that I worked so hard and I forgot, I just forgot. So it was like a cookie. It was like a cookie from my past self like reached through the window and was like, oh, but you a warrior, remember? <laughs> I have been crying. Praise, but it was early. Leaving with the last cold. Snatch her at the heel. I was crying. Oh, Lord. Take the anthill out of me by force. Oh, Lord. Give me whisper brooks that run their narrow course. In my throat, Lord. Put in my throat. As you think back on it, do you sort of have any particular, like, memory or or feeling or takeaway from it yeah. that you would want to share. Strange meal times and when you saved me from the deluge. Oh my god, the pants. I wear those pants constantly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I mean, I feel like that's a metaphor for like what you did and like what playwrights in general did for that project. Like I because I felt like I was riding I was like riding on this wave of disbelief that someone would let me do this <laughs> For, that someone was like yeah you're a geeky project we will 100% produce um and help you make that I was elated and like I showed up to the studio every single day just like in in disbelief that that I get to do this and that's I mean that's an awesome feeling and I am lucky enough to be be a person who feels that you know, once or twice a year. Um, like that's incredible. But there was this one day, the sky opened up and like, I was walking, I had, I had, I don't live in New York anymore. So I was renting an Airbnb down the street and I was walking from the Airbnb to the studio and didn't have an umbrella and was so soaked. Like I was wearing jeans. The jeans were like, like made a sound, like made a sound, like my bra was soaked, like my panties were soaked, like soaked. And it was January. So it was also freezing. And I, I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to be here for 14 hours and not get pneumonia. I don't know how that's going to happen. And then you just disappeared into the ether and came back 45 minutes later with new clothes and the pants that I, <laughs> the pants that you got me were these like plush purple and black velour Sean John sweatpants that were nine times too big for me. I now go to those pants when I want to feel held as a writer. Those are writing pants when I'm like doubting if I'm going down the right 
track. I'll like wear those pants. It's like, those are emotional support pants. <laughs> In the beginning was the word. We are the word working to name it. And the world made of a million billion nouns practicing verbs. In the beginning was the word. We are the word working to name it. And the world made of a million billion nouns practicing verbs. I would like to leave like my idea of productivity in the before. Like this whole moment uh, has really been a re-examination of like what productivity means, which is something that I scream about in the prime and is something that I like scream about in all of these breviary masses of like what we have decided collectively as a civilization is productive to do is screwed up and is hurting I mean, it's it's hurting our whole world on multiple different levels, sociological, spiritual, environmental. But it's a really hard lesson to learn. And I can't exactly practice what I preach just yet. Um, it's really hard medicine for me in particular to swallow because I am ultimately uh, a person who crucifies themselves um, over their stuff not being good enough. And the only salve I've had to bomb that wound has been how prolific I am. I make a lot of stuff. And um, I think that that's up for a reinvestigation. You know, I don't have to produce anything right now, which is special, actually. Slowly make me smile. Shrink my needing to a tiny Weirdly, I had an interview before the oratorio with uh, a guy from a Jesuit magazine, and he was like, if you weren't a musician, what would you be, like, if you're talking spiritually? And I was like, I would, I would be a gardener. One of the things that I keep, like, preaching about, like, all of us being good, good groundskeepers for this earth that we have inherited <laughs> the responsibility for it, um... I, but I'm a shitty gardener, um, so I would like to learn more about that. So I really started gardening. And that started to help a lot. Um, and then I started to write um, a piece. I started to write what I've been referring to as <laughs> the operetta that no one wants. And I'm still writing it, and it's for me right now. And it's been a while since I've, I've just straight up ignored what I thought an institution wanted or what I thought was gonna get produced and just wrote something straight from my insane hallucinogenic current mindset. And I don't know what it is and I don't know how it's good and I don't know any of these things. I'm figuring out how to be right now through it. So it's for me, um, it's mine. And that feels, that feels right. forward to honestly like more opportunities like prime because it surprised me so much the the positive reaction to it um i really didn't know what people were going to make of it and i didn't know if people were going to find it useful which is my deepest hope is that that the masses are useful to people who don't spend the majority of their time thinking about 
existence and how to be. I feel like that's something that I have to think about um, daily because I'm an artist and that's that's our that's our job. <laughs> that's our job. I uh, I'm, I'm happy that people have responded to it. To listen to the full episode of Heather Christian's Prime, go back in your Soundstage podcast feed and look for episode one. We'll see you next week with a new episode from Lucas Snaith.